DJ, PK, and Riley Jensen joins us now. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Get an iPhone 11 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. What is up, dudes? Pac-12 title game, college football playoffs, new rankings from the committee, conspiracy theories. It's a TV show. There's East Coast bias. The Pac-12 gets no respect. The Utes only have 25 fans, and Paul Feinbaum's going to hear from all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there's there's just a little bit going on this week. I mean, is this re- regardless of of like the disrespect for Utah, the you know the East Coast by all these things that you just listed off? Is it not the biggest game in the history of University of Utah? Is I think it, it is. Is this game is this game bigger than the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl? I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. I think this is the biggest. I mean, because it's all for naught. It doesn't even matter if they lose this game, right? Correct. Yeah, and, and I think I think lost in all of this is there was a debate when they joined the Pac-12. How long is it going to take to win a Pac-12 title? Five years, ten years. There were plenty of people who thought twenty-five years. It could take. Right. It could take generations to. And so here it is, year nine, yeah. and a group that's been there before. That in the words of Zach Moss, eh, was a little bit of happy to be there last year, and now it's like winter bust. I thought. Win I thought or uh, bust. that Riley would be dead before the Utes got in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of whether it's Rose Bowl or playoff. To be the Pac-12 championship after nine years in the league, that's a huge accomplishment. And there's nothing between Friday night at you know nine or ten o'clock, whenever the game wraps up, however long it goes, until the committee announces Sunday morning. Like, can't we at least for 36 hours recognize Pac-12 championship is a massive accomplishment, regardless of what comes next? Yeah, I mean, we should recognize that. I think I, I, but but all of these things play to everybody's fears around here, right? Like, I just feel like, and and this could be this could be just my Utah State blood speaking, but I feel like people in Utah generally have just a little bit of a chip on their shoulder anyway. That that it's a disrespected place, that it's a misunderstood place. Whether whether you're Utah, BYU, Utah State, I feel like the state we're. And I can't speak for everyone, but my observation is we're just a little bit sensitive about national press and all those things. Instead of just, you know, we got to get a little bit more PK in us, and we just don't care what people think about us. Just who, who the freak cares? Take care of it on the field. Go win the Rose Bowl if that's where they put you. Go win a playoff game if that's where you put you. And 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 everybody just take a deep breath and realize that none of those things that are going on are controllable. None of them. You can't control any of it. No, not once you get into the beauty contest aspect of it. That's what it ends up being. And so you're right as far as that goes. Win all your ball games. And I've been saying this for weeks, too. You go 13-1 and with a Rose Bowl victory and, as DJ is talking about, a Pac-12 title in your ninth year. That's pretty doggone impressive. I think the Devils got one in their ninth year uh, when they joined the conference back in the late 70s. And so in 86, the 85, they got one. So that is important, and it really sets up your program. And then you start from Kyle's perspective. You just start establishing. He's already established it, but you really cement your legacy. And then you think about uh, adding to it. If you, you know, I've heard rumors, not necessarily rumors, but I've heard 
thought that uh, he might quit this year or you know certainly in the next couple years three years or so and then you've put the program in good shape and you leave like a king in the manner that Lavelle Edwards left I mean there's no there's no argument against that the foundation the foundation to me has already been laid I mean last year they won the Pac-12 South they played in the championship game. If they win the championship game and the Pac-12 this year, I mean, the foundation is laid. And I don't know if I got it from Kyle. I've, I've, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I say I've just stolen from people. Let's be honest. But uh, there's there's a quote out there that you just you can't you can't skip steps on the way to a championship. You have to build it. it it, very rarely do you get these overnight successes where you just go in and, and you just dominate the Pac-12 and win it, right? And it's been a process, and it's been something that they believed in, and they believe in certain fundamentals and certain type of football at the University of Utah, which is play really good defense, play special teams well, run the ball on offense, take care of the football. And there could have been panic there after year two in the Pac-12, right? Like, oh, we got to go out, we got to – we, we got to redesign everything. And I think in some ways, Kyle didn't do everything perfectly with offensive coordinators and those sorts of things, but he certainly had his core values and beliefs that he stuck to. And it's worked. It's worked. And if, if, if they win the Pac-12 championship this Friday night, it's reason for a huge celebration. It's a huge feather in his cap. And I think he can he can walk out of here whenever he wants to and realize that that he left this program in a fantastic place. I mean, it, it's it, all these games, even as a you know, like just an observer, like this is exciting. It's exciting. I'm driving down my neighborhood. Everybody has Utah flags out. And it's not even game day. It's all week, right? Right. I and, know. I got mine. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> And it's it's just an exciting feel, and people are excited, and they're nervous, and Paul Feinbaum says something, and everybody's going crazy, and you know. But you have to understand that some of these things that are coming out, it's no different than BYU in 1984. It hasn't changed in years. I don't I don't know why Utah expected Utah fan expected anything different from the national media. I, I just I'm kind of surprised that everybody's got their you know, they're, they're all upset about it. Well, it's not everybody in the national media. Brian Greasy at the end of broadcast was showering praise over him. Kirk Herbstreet said a bunch of nice things about him. Dennis Dodds had written good things. But I, it's Brando, like you say Brando there's this— said nice things. Right. Tim Brando, you're right. And so, but there's the chip on the shoulder. There is, you know— Dick Bavetta's bad call 20 years ago, what people said about BYU 35 years ago, it never really goes away. East Coast bias feels baked in. So you don't hear the three or four people who say something good, and then one get one or two guys say something negative, and you definitely hold on to that. That's what resonates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite incredible. But I, I, I just keep going back to the fact that this is a really, really great football team. I mean, Look, I got. I mean, and and I said it earlier in the year. I think it was after the Washington game. I think the thing that's the most fun for me is watching different players step up. Every, I mean, now it's Keithy, right? The last two weeks, Keithy has just been amazing. You know, against Washington, you know, you had Nakua making plays, and you had you just have all kinds of different guys making plays on this team, and that's to me, that's what championship teams are all about. Nobody seems to care who gets credit on this team. Nobody cares about who's who's the star. Everybody seems to care about winning, and it's it's a fun team. And I, for me to say that, I'm 
I'm pretty critical of offense, and if offenses aren't super exciting, I'm usually not. I'm not that interested in watching it. This is a team that pounds the rock, that is surgical in their passing game, but it's a fun team to watch offensively as well. And it's 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 pretty fascinating to watch this team come together. And there's a lot of confidence up on the hill right now that they can win and that they can win football games. And I wouldn't be surprised that if they do get into the playoff, that they really kind of show the world what this program is all about and how defense and special teams and taking care of the football matters on the college level. How do you explain the incredible improvement Huntley has made from sophomore to senior year? Well, first of all, he's he's played in a lot of games. I think, secondly, there's, there's just a maturity that takes place as a quarterback. Um, the more games that you get to play, the, the more that you start to understand the game. And then I just, I don't think that you can take away from the fact that having a new offensive coordinator, getting a new set of eyes on things and being able to look at things the way Andy Ludwig does and really buying into that. I mean, you have to give some credit to Tyler Huntley for buying into it. Not every quarterback is okay with going, you know, 13 for 16 for 190 yards and one touchdown and, and thinks like, okay, that's, that's an awesome game. It really is an awesome game and it's really good for this team. So for him to buy into it, I think that, that takes a lot of maturity, that, that takes a lot of understanding of what it takes to win. And I think I think that Andy Ludwig has done a, a, a great job of convincing him with, with whatever it is, with just the way that he coaches or with the credibility that he has coming from some SEC and um, Big Ten programs or whatever, whatever it is, he's done a great job of indicating to him how important it is to take care of the football, that you can have a big year and still receive lots of accolades if you play football this way. And I, I just, I, I'm not sure that if I was a quarterback that I could have taken that feedback going into my senior year and really bought all the way in. I would have wanted to be the guy that's thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns and, and, film like I earned my spurs to be able to really let it rip my senior year and so you have to you have to be um, incredibly complimentary with the way that Huntley's played because it takes a lot of discipline to play the football that he's playing right now you mentioned Andy Ludwig and everything in a good offense you know everything builds on the thing that came before it and whatever you do there's an answer for it but there's a counter to it so obviously, this tight end sweep is just crushing people. They run it five times for Keithy. He's got three touchdowns on the five carries, and he's got a 44-yard carry on one of the two that didn't end up in the end zone. That's going to get overplayed by Oregon and taken away, I would assume. What's the counter to it? What should we be looking at? Because there must be a big play going to the backside, right? Well, yeah. There's, I mean, there's all the the fun thing about a play like that is there's all kinds of counters to it. There's you, you can fake the handoff and then hand off to another running back. You can you can fake the handoff and go play action and go deep to somebody else. Uh, there's there's all kinds of things. There's counter uh, a counter play, meaning it looks like everything's going to the left. You fake the sweep and then you run a counter backside because everybody's over adjusting to that sweep play. But I think the thing that's interesting is, um, you know, it's not like Colorado didn't see that play three, four times the game before. And so but Andy's smart enough to know, like, hey, we're going to keep this in there. And if they really don't adjust the way that they're supposed to adjust, we're still going to run that play. I think sometimes 
and and this is just my experience with being an offensive coordinator. Sometimes you outsmart yourself in the sense of like, well, they're for sure going to adjust to that this week, right? They for sure saw it on film. There's no there's no way that they're not going to take it away. And then all of a sudden you come out and they're given a look that totally has the play there, and you're like, man, why didn't I practice that play this week? I guess we can try and run it. And and so I think there's a lot of credit to him that he's not afraid to run it. If they're if they're going to give him the look that he sees that can make that play work, he'll run it again. And then if they don't, he'll have three or four counters to it that are going to be big plays. And quite frankly, the reason why that play works is because there's a lot of other plays that are working when they send him in motion and when they do different things with the tight end. And so it, it puts defenses in a bind. That play, because it hits quickly and because Keithy's a, a pretty skilled runner for a tight end, um, it just puts teams in a bind. And there's so many different things that the University of Utah offense throws at you right now. And I know it doesn't seem like it because you're like, oh, this is a running team. But they're running power. They're running zone. They're running quick speed sweep. They're running trap on you. They're running different looks on you that just make it really difficult to cover all the different things that they're doing in the run game. So you have just been appointed Oregon's defensive, co- or excuse me, offensive coordinator. What type of game plan are you putting together to face Utah's defense? Well, there's kind of two approaches when, when you're playing against the University of Utah defense. Um, I think, first of all, there's going to be all kinds of crossing routes, and this is what a lot of teams have done against the University of Utah. And when I say crossing routes, what they're trying to do is they're trying to rub two receivers together, maybe across the middle, maybe on the outside, to make it difficult for DBs to cover them in a man-to-man scheme. And a lot of teams have done that, but but I think if I'm the offensive coordinator for Oregon, what I'm worried about more than anything is just the ability to block people up front. And so you really want to try and establish your run game, which is really tough against the University of Utah because they're they're a tough run defense. But if you can get some slivers in the run game and you can set up some play action where you can go max protect, meaning two running backs in blocking, maybe even your tight end stays in and blocks, and you run a two-man route with your receivers against a man-to-man defense, then you can get some shots downfield and you can feel like you're protected and you can throw some third downs. But that's all predicated on the fact that you think that you have two receivers um, that can get open in man-on-man, and one of those guys probably isn't going to get open against Jer- against Johnson on the outside. So really, you're looking at a one-receiver route, and you're saying, okay, I think we can beat this guy. I think maybe I can beat a safety going one-on-one. And when you look at the safeties for the University of Utah, you got Julian Blackman, who used to play corner, who's now playing safety, so that's a difficult play. And then on the other side, it's, it's, it's a difficult play as well. So you have your hands full when you're playing against the University of Utah because you can sacrifice protection to get more receivers into a route or you can protect and you really only have a one receiver route. And so I think it's a difficult task. You've got to hope and you've got you to think that one of your receivers can get open against those guys and really win the one-on-one battle. And that's what I'd be stressing is, okay, we got to make sure that we get off the ball well. We've got to make sure that we're running crisp routes because we're not going to have huge throwing lanes and we're not going to have a ton of time. So we've got to win these one-on-one throwing matchups and really preaching that to the wide receivers that we have to be good and we have to be crisp this week. So when you factor in rain is expected all weekend and you factor in there could be 20-mile-an-hour winds, 
How much is that going to change both teams' game plans? Well, it's not going to change Utah's plans very much. Uh, I mean, they're going to run the ball. I think Oregon, and with their coach and, and their style, they, they've probably thrown the ball more than they want to. They probably really want to run the ball against the Utes, but I think, I think that weather is advantage Utes all the way. Um, the wind would be more of a factor than rain to me as far as throwing the ball. In college, the, the balls are taken care of. It's really not that wet in, unless it's just a completely torrential downfall. But wind has, seems to have more of an effect and more of a psychological effect on quarterbacks than, than rain does to me. And so I, I think that's advantage Utah. They run the ball anyway. They want to run the ball, and then they're going to take surgical strikes downfield when it's open. Surgical strikes downfield. I like it, man. No, they do. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just it's really well thought out. They bring people up into the box. They tell you that you've got to take away the run game. They stay with the run game, and then there's things that are wide open downfield. And Huntley just really hasn't missed this year. He's been he's been really accurate downfield on those big plays, and that it hurts, man. Those are those are painful throws. The throws that Tyler Huntley are getting, there's not a lot of them, but the three or four strikes a game are just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like the difference between like World War II bombers when you're throwing them all over the place. And and modern day warfare, where you're dropping one bomb and it's got a little smart computer on the end of it, and you're throwing it right where you want it, right? Wow, I got Norman Schwarzkopf <laughs> over here. Norman. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, you know, they just like they just threw a, a, a bunch of bombs down, hoping they got the target. Now it's like, now we're going to use one bomb and it's going to hit right where we want it, and that's that's really what the University of Utah's offense is. Like, look, we're not going to throw that many. But four of them are going to be, like, devastating. <laughs> well, this is a show that started with threats of physical violence is now escalated to uh, computerized warfare. <laughs> All that's, right, that's, Admiral. Nice talking to you. <laughs> Admiral Nimitz, thank you. Hey, if I wasn't being mocked by you guys, it wouldn't be a good show. This is, this is fun. <laughs> this is what we do. There it is. All right, well, Riley, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, I love coming on your show. Thanks, guys.